Hello, you are listening to the fourth episode of the World Journeys podcast. May the journey never end. Welcome to the podcast. This is Andrew, your host for this podcast. And, uh, well, we have two people for you today in a very special podcast. Firstly, we are talking to James Patras, who has uh, been in uh, Japan for just over a year now. We talked to him a little about first impressions, uh, what it's like, you know, first time teaching in the classroom in Japan. And we talk a little bit about driving and other things. Uh, and after that, we talked to Miho Terui uh, about her experiences in Australia and uh, a few things about Japan too. So, without further ado, let the podcast begin. Today on the podcast, we have a special guest. His name is James Patras. <laughs> now, I've asked James on the podcast because.、Um, James has been in Japan. How long have you been in Japan? One year. One year. So、um, I've asked James to come on the podcast to talk about like, the experiences of like, the first year of teaching and living in Japan. So, welcome to the podcast, James. Thank you for having me. How, how have you found the transition from living in America to living in Japan? I find it very easy. I can go to the grocery store, find foods I like, I can try new foods. Can't really talk to people that much, need to practice my Japanese more, but I know enough to get by, ask questions, find out where I need to go, what I want to do, and I can get answers. You recently, congratulations, just got your driver's, your Japanese driver's license. Yes, yes, I did. And how did that go? It's finished. I got it. How many,、uh, how many times did you have to、uh, take the driving test? I took the driving test three different times on three different days with about a three and a half hour drive at 4 a.m. each day to take the test. So you mean you had to leave home at 4 a.m. to get to the test on time? Yes. And they were spaced out, not every day. You could only test. Um, once or twice a week. Okay. And、uh, after two failures, was it getting frustrating? Absolutely. You look around on a closed course with an instructor and he gives you instructions in Japanese what to do. You follow his instructions and he marks down on a checklist and at the end says, fail. And so you say, why? And he kind of gives a lot of explanation in very fast Japanese, pointing at the car and the course that's about half a mile wide. And if I was fluent in Japanese, he's perhaps giving me flawless explanation of each individual mistake. But to me, it all sounds like. Japanese? Japanese! Which you don't speak. Correct. So, would you say this is the,、uh, so far in your 12 months in Japan, would this be the, the most stressful thing you've had to do? Oh, absolutely. 
I was less stressed out about my first day of teaching. You don't want to make a bad impression, first impressions are everything. But if I did not pass this driving test before my international license expired, I could not drive my car. I could not drive my car to get food. I could not drive my car to school. I could not drive my car to meet friends. You could not drive your car to get to your driving test. I could not drive my car to get to the driving test. That again was three and a half hours away from my house by driving my car directly there. So it was very important that I passed. And again, you can only test maybe twice or once a week. Let's go back to your arrival in Japan. Um, what was your, your first day, your arrival day like in Japan? Very exciting. I spent a lot of time sleeping on a 13-hour plane ride. So I was wide awake to arrive in Japan. Uh, I was greeted at the airport, and they directed us outside to the bus terminal. Greeted by who? Company employee. He spoke English. Very easy. <laughs> and then, where did you go from there? They directed a group of about 13 of us at a time onto a tiny little bus with piles and piles of suitcases under the bus, in your lap, above your head, all from the airports, because we brought things to say for at least a year, mm -hmm. not a backpack full of stuff. We had large, large luggage, and everyone there had lots and lots of luggage. And where did you go from there? From there, we went to the Narita Hotel, and all put all of our bags into a ballroom lobby, and were immediately directed to begin filling out paperwork. Uh, let's see. Well, they provided food for us, of course. We stayed at a hotel for that hotel for about five days. What were you doing at the hotel? Just kicking back, climatizing. Um, no, not at all. They directed us. From the first day, began filling out paperwork, had lots of lectures for us, put us all in a big ballroom, maybe about 300 people total in this ballroom, all new teachers, and they began lecturing us on everything that can go wrong in Japan. Ah, anything in particular that was interesting? Setting us up to fail, saying you could be in the worst school with the most uncontrollable kids and... There's nothing you can really do about that, so we're going to try and prepare you for it by putting you on the spot. Was there any Japanese people giving any speeches? Welcoming or...? Mm, the most memorable one was from some district police chief giving a long list in Japanese and with a translator of everything that is obviously and not obviously illegal in Japan. Such as? You can't kill anyone, of course. You can't be drunk in public. You cannot drive your car while drinking. You cannot drive your car when you've been drinking. What's, if, the, what's the drinking limit in Japan? If you're thinking about drinking, you shouldn't be driving. If you're thinking about drinking. So you haven't drunk yet, you shouldn't be behind the car. If you're thinking about drinking, you shouldn't be behind the car. Seems to be the general motto. 
has nothing to do with consuming alcohol. There's a zero tolerance. You cannot consume any alcohol. What's, so, the, what's the legal limit? Zero. Meaning that there is no tolerance. Let's talk about teaching now. What challenges have you found in the classroom? The most challenging thing I've found is uninterested students. They're not loud or disruptive or asleep. I've encountered all of that. Some students don't want to be there in class, so they're going to talk loudly with their friends and disrupt the class. Some students don't care, so they're going to put their head down and sleep. Less of a problem. The biggest problem is the student that is fully alert and can't be engaged. Ask them a question and they look at you because it's easier to not speak than to speak. They can understand perfectly what you're saying, the most basic English question. But it's easier to not respond and have you walk away. That is the biggest challenge. How many, uh, how many different schools do you work at? I teach at two high schools. Just the two high schools. And uh, how would you describe their level, their English level? It completely depends on the class and on the individual student. There are students that apply themselves outside of school, that want to have a conversation and ask me questions in English, and there's other students that I can ask the most basic questions to, and you can see them trying to think of an answer, think of a word to respond with in English, and they can't. What about culture-wise? What's, uh, what's something that might surprise people, like, culture-wise in Japan? A lot of the information in the media about Japan and other countries is completely wrong. For example? Everything in the movie Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift is completely stereotypical Japan, and none of that is true. The stereotypical Japan would be, oh, everything's a glamorous, seedy underworld of this giant metropolis that is Tokyo, and it's all about gangs and fighting and money and cash and exciting nightlife. And the reality of Japan outside of the movies is far different. In what I see of Japan, I've been to several different areas. I've been to four major cities, and it is mostly laid back. It is made up of large skyscrapers and plenty of people in very small areas of downtown Tokyo. Outside of Tokyo and all of the media hype that comes with that, it is rows of houses and rice fields and farms and apple orchards and a whole laid-back lifestyle. A definite suburban, if not rural, lifestyle is the majority of Japan. I mean, you've, you've come to Japan two years after the, the tsunami, and you've been here a year, so it's been three years now. And um, how, would you, how would you say, like, the, the people in your area were affected by the tsunami? 
There were many more homes and many, many more businesses before the tsunami. Now, I haven't lived here before the tsunami. That was two years ago. I've only been here a year. But where there were once buildings and businesses and some homes, there's nothing. There's not a reason to rebuild those businesses or those homes in that location. There's also less businesses. Thank you very much for your time, James. Um, and I'd just like to ask one final question here on the World Journeys podcast. Uh, I'm asking everyone, what is one place, one country in the world that you haven't been that you'd really like to visit? I think I'd like to visit Germany. And why? There's a lot of history. They were a divided country. I like the history of Japan, and America as a country is not that old. There are many other countries with a much longer and much more sordid history. Thank you for joining the podcast today, James. Thank you for having me. Mm. And that was my interview with James Patras. And now, up next for you, we have my interview with Miho Terui, the first Japanese person on the podcast. I hope you enjoy it. On today's podcast, I'll be talking to Miho Terui, oh. who is uh, <coughs> uh, has been living in Iwate all your life. Did you live in Iwate all your life, mm. Miho? No. No? Where were you born? Uh, I, I was born in Iwate, but I lived in, in Saitama for six years. And where is Saitama? Omiya, in Omiya. Omiya, that's near Tokyo? Mm, yes. Ah. And uh, which do you prefer? Eh, Omiya is more city, mm. big city, so... I prefer Omiya. Ah, so, anyways, today I've asked you on the podcast because uh, you've spent uh, some time in Australia. Yes. Uh, so I thought it would be interesting to get uh, the impressions from a foreigner about Australia. Mm. Uh, so when did you go to Australia? When? When I was 28. Uh, and at first... I went to school, language school, ah. for three months, and then worked three months at um, strawberry farm. Ah, where was the strawberry farm? Ah, uh, where? Mm. Um, Palmwood, you know, in Brisbane, Brisbane. In Brisbane. Mm. Ah. And what was that experience like? Mm, I never done harvest work, so it was really hard to me. And my age was a little bit older than another people, so <laughs> it, it was easier to get um, tired. Ah. Mm. And were you working there uh, like... Were the other people working there, were they Australians or were they mostly foreigners or...? Ah, almost um, Australian. Seasonal worker? 
Okay, seasonal mm. worker, yeah. Mm. Okay. And you were in Australia on the working holiday visa? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, and did you, where did you study uh, English? In Brisbane? No, in Cairns. Oh, okay. Mm. So you studied in Cairns and then you came down to Brisbane. Was this all um, planned before you left Japan? Did you plan everything? No. No? So you just got off the plane in Cairns and uh, went to a language school? Yes. Oh, mm, how can I say? Mm, I decided to go to school. But after that, I didn't have any uh, plan. Okay. Mm. And after you you uh, had finished at the strawberry farm, did you do any travel around Australia? Mm, yes. What parts of Australia did you visit? Uh, Melbourne, Brisbane, Perth, Darwin, Uluru, and um, Tasmania. And what was your favourite? Hmm... Cairns. Cairns. Mm. And why? Why? Mm. Mm. It's small town, so I made many friends. It's is it was. Um, yeah, I lived in I live in Iwate countryside, so and it's comfortable to me. Mm. Speaking of food, what would be uh, what what would be the, the say the top three or four Japanese foods you recommend the foreigner tries when they are in Japan? Ah, sushi. Sushi. Mm. Okonomiyaki. What is okonomiyaki? <laughs> okonomiyaki. <laughs> Apart from a very difficult word to say. Yeah. Okonoko Okonomiyaki. Okonomiyaki. Mm. Flower. It's flour. It's flour. They're just people are just eating flour. No, and it's like pancake. Pancake, okay. But it's salty. Oh, okay. Mm. What's in it? Ah, uh, egg, cabbage, okay. pork. Pork. It's kind of like a. Mm, vegetables yeah. and, and how do you cook it? Uh, how do you cook it? Mm. In a pot? It's difficult to explain. Mm. Oh. Okay, okay, okay. So, sushi. Okonomiyaki. Okonomiyaki. <laughs> and. Ramen. Ramen. Mm. Ramen. What is ramen? Ramen. You know ramen. <laughs> I know ramen. Mm. Yeah, but maybe people listening don't. Ah. Noodles. It's noodle. Soup noodle. Soup noodle. Ah. Uh, have you ever been to ramen shop? In Japan? Sure. Oh, 
What kind of soup taste do you like? I just look for one with pork. Pork? Mm. Mm. Pork, だから white, white soup? Yeah, usually white soup.、Mm. Why? What's the best kind of ramen? I don't know. We,、uh, I like miso. Miso soy sauce.、Mm. I find soy sauce is very、um, strong. Strong?、Mm. You tried? Too strong. Really? Not with ramen, I haven't tried, but I've had soy sauce many times. Ah,、uh, but different.、Oh. Mm. Before you go, I want to ask everyone on the podcast this question.、Uh, there's one country in the world that you haven't been to、mm. that you really want to visit.、Oh. What country would it be?、Mm. Peru. Hey, Peru. Why?、Mm. What would you see in Peru?、Uh, Machu Picchu. I want to watch. I, I want to visit Machu Picchu. Mm. Anything else? Or just Machu Picchu? Ah, yes, in Peru?、Mm. Yes. And.、Mm. Nazca? Okay.、Um. Miho, thank you very much、oh, for joining、you. the podcast today. <laughs> thank you so much. And that concludes today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to a couple of different opinions today.、Uh, and、uh, next week we are back, of course, with the podcast. And I will be speaking to Camilla Harris, who is a Jamaican living in near Tokyo, teaching English. And、uh, she's got a lot of experiences here in Japan, some good stories,、uh, great personality. And of course, she talks a little bit about her home country, Jamaica. Not only that, she is the first person I've interviewed to take up the very big Capital City Challenge.、Uh, we're going to go through the year, each podcast, getting people to match countries and capital cities and vice versa. And、uh, we're going to see who、uh, comes up on top as the number one. So that's、uh, something that's a little bit exciting and worth looking forward to. So, until next time, may the journey never end.